Hello, and welcome to the Leader Talks at Axiom podcast. This is a podcast designed to help all of us understand Axiom's leader expectations better. I'm Amy Elrod, and I am happy to be your host for this episode. In this episode, we are continuing our focus on lead by example with a deeper look at the value of excellence. This value states that we have an unwavering commitment to excellence in everything that we do. To us, excellence means exceeding expectations for each other and for our clients. It means striving to be better today than we were yesterday and going above and beyond what is asked of us. Excellence isn't perfection, though. It's continuously striving to be the best that we can be as individuals and as a team. I think anyone who has worked for Axiom or worked with Axiom will agree that this is a value that we live by. The teams who work with our clients are extremely dedicated to delivering with excellence every day. And this is likely why more than 95% of our clients renew with Axiom. We go above and beyond to ensure that they are seeing value in what we deliver. Our teams who work with internal clients strive for excellence too, always thinking of ways to make the work that they do better today than it was yesterday. We are excited to welcome two leaders to the podcast who will share their experience with modeling excellence for internal and external clients. Cheryl Sample, who's the VP of Sales Operations and Enablement, will share her experience working across teams at Axiom to enable our client-facing teams to be excellent throughout the sales process. Dave Warfield, who is a VP of Sales, will discuss how he and his team strive for excellence in building new client relationships. We hope that you enjoy hearing from Cheryl and Dave. Cheryl and Dave, welcome to the Leader Talks podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having us. Well, so glad to have both of you here. And as always, we like to get to know you a little bit to get the podcast started. So Cheryl, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your role and a little bit about what got you to the role that you're in today. Okay. I've been with Axiom for close to 27 years, and I currently lead our global sales operation enablement team, which encompasses a variety of functions. We have sales operations, delivery operations, contract development, our sales development reps, sales compensation, and sales enablement. So it's a, it's a pretty broad group. I like to describe our primary function as helping sales and sales leadership through the sales process by providing them tools and processes and data that can help them do their job more efficiently, while at the same time still trying to balance providing our leadership and supporting teams, such as finance and product, what they need to manage the business and understand the health of a business. My first job with Axiom was as a client delivery analyst. I did processing and auditing within our financial services industry back in the day when we had the green bar printers and you had to walk across campus to ship tapes <laughs> when you did a direct oh, yes. mail. <laughs> um, within a couple of years, I moved into a team leader role. And then shortly after that, I actually moved on site with one of our large financial services clients. And I spent four years there. And that's when I discovered that I really liked being client facing. And I spent the next several years managing existing clients and helping to build out our retail bank practice, which was just starting. About 12 years ago, though, I needed to take a step back. I was traveling a whole lot, and I um, you know, wanted to focus on my family a little bit, and Axiom allowed me to move into a more internal-facing role, and I took one of the first sales operations positions. I think it was called field operations, and I've just stayed in that career path ever since. Okay, good. Thank you. And Dave, tell us a little bit about you. Sure, absolutely. So um, my current role is I am VP of sales for the regulated industries here at Axion, which includes financial services, insurance, healthcare, pharmaceuticals. 
Uh, I've been with Axiom for a little over 15 years, and it's ironic that I'm doing this with Cheryl because she was one of the first people I ever interviewed with here at Axiom. And we, uh, in our conversation, we quickly realized that uh, we competed uh, against each other when she was at Axiom and I was with another uh, another company. Uh, at a, we were competing for some some business at a major bank. And she was quick to tell me that she was the one that that uh, kicked kicked my butt. So that was always uh, I, I will a never great forget way that. to start an interview. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I thought well, she's never going to hire me. <laughs> so it's really and look really at nice. him. He's our best seller. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So a little over fifteen years. Uh, been either you know as a direct. Actually, the bulk of my fifteen years here as a direct contributor. And I, I got into sales right after college. I was uh, I was an agent for Prudential. So I was the guy who would call you up and invite myself over to your house and sit around your dining room table and, and talk about you know, your goals and dreams and passions and, and all of that. And, and had several you know sales uh, positions after, after that uh, and got into data-driven marketing back in about 1998 and have been in it ever since. So it's great to be here. Oh, good. Thank you for that. Well, Cheryl probably forgot that story, though. I'm sure she forgot all about it. <laughs> I didn't forget, but I wasn't no, I up in this forum. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this series that we're in right now in the podcast is looking at Axiom's values and how we as leaders should lead by example and modeling the values. Dave, can you tell us your thoughts on why you think lead by example is such an important expectation of our leaders? Sure. Um, you know, I I would say it probably starts with the fact I'm, now I'm speaking from a pure sales perspective now, right? Because that's the world that I live in. And, sure. um, you know, I, I would say that we have such extremely high expectations of our sales executives uh, as well as the teams that support the sales executives. Um, and as a result of that, if if I'm going to have, or if we are going to have high expectations of the team, I just believe that that we need to model that that same behavior by doing and living the the, the exact same expectations and values. Yeah, that's good. Cheryl, what about you? So when I think across the many leaders I've had, in my time at Axiom, there has been a huge difference in my job satisfaction level when I'm working for someone who I respect and who I feel kind of walks the talk, so to speak, versus a leader who may say something but do something a little bit differently. And so as a leader, I've always tried to maintain two rules for myself. Um, so I never ask anyone on my team to do anything I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, if, especially when we get in an overwhelmed, overloaded situation, I still use a divide and conquer approach. And that may mean that I'm in there rolling up my sleeves and doing um, manual data opportunity entry, if, if that's what it takes to get things done. But um, there are some things that might be considered more tactical that I still retain ownership of just so that I can stay in the know of, you know, what is the team dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? And then my second rule is that my my actions have to follow my words. You know, as a, as a parent, my least favorite thing to hear from my very vocal teenage girls is, well, that's not what you do when I tell them mm. to do something. 
And whether we like it or not, people watch how leaders approach challenges and opportunities and how they respond to things. And when you lead by example, you're providing consistency that allows those around you to know that what you say and do are always going to be the same. And that's modeling behavior that's going to allow the others around you feel empowered to grow and learn. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, and particularly in this episode, we're focusing in on excellence. So not just lead by example and model the values and do the things that you just described, but lead by example in the specific value of excellence. And excellence states that we have an unwavering commitment to excellence in everything that we do, which means that we're striving to be better today than we were yesterday, and that we're going above and beyond what's asked of us. Can you share some examples of how you have seen this to be true in your career? And Cheryl, we'll stick with you on this one. Okay. I think sometimes people think that going above and beyond has to be some grand gesture, you know, like asking someone to marry you on a big screen at a baseball field. And it doesn't. <laughs> um, that's really not really the case. You can go above and beyond in everything you do, no matter how small. Just ask yourself simple things like, okay, what are they going to ask for next? What's mm-hmm. the next step? So for example, you know, if I tell everyone that our pipelines dropped, The next thing that I'm going to be asked is why. So why not go ahead and give them that before they ask me? That's going above and beyond. That's small. Um, You know, on a bigger scale, last year, I felt like our team needed a better way to present data. Salesforce, Excel, they're great, but they have some limitations and they don't always give us what they need. So, you know, I was asking around and my IT partner, Cherry Lynn, recommended I look at Power BI. So, you know, one after Sunday afternoon, I was playing around with it, watching some view. YouTube videos, figured out how to do some simple things that we hadn't been able to do before. And so I took it back to the team and I challenged them. I said, hey, figure this out and see what we can do with it. And as a result of some hard work and a lot of brainstorming, you know, we built some fabulous trending dashboards that are now using being used to help drive some really strategic discussions. And the team acquired a new skill set on top of it. And all of this stemmed from just asking, okay, how could we do this better? Mm. So it's the small and the big improvements that you do every day that help ensure that we're continuing to strive for excellence. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It could be a really major change or a really major idea, but it could just be small things along the way. Uh, Dave, what about you? What are some examples you've seen? Uh, you know, an example of something small is just doing what you say you are going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just follow through, whether it's with a client, a teammate, uh, another associate in a different group, uh, you know, doing something, thinking of, you know, reading something and sending it to to a client or, you know, without being asked. Right. And and I think really throughout my sales career. I always tried to do the little things that I knew would separate, you know, Axiom or myself from from the pack, you know, Mm -hmm. and very simply, it's just kind of following through double check, recheck, make sure it's accurate, surprise and delight. So Mm. that's that's kind of what I think of surprise and delight. I like that. That's good. Uh, Dave, I'll stick with you on this. Uh, what strategies do you have to encourage your team to to model excellence? How do you set that expectation and encourage them to do so? Yeah, I, well, I think it goes back to what Cheryl just said about trying to model the behavior, right? I have mm-hmm. kids too. And, <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of those things where whether it's with your kids or your team uh, or your the people that you report to, um, I just I just try to 
to model the best behavior and follow through on the things that I'm asking them to do, you know, whether it's um, uh, making sure that we we follow through on what we call the axiom way of, of selling, you mm-hmm. know, and always starting with an end in mind and having an agenda and preconditioning and following up and following through, just keeping it real, bringing value and, you know, uh, value each other's time and, and be respectful of that. And, uh, you know, it not only extends, you know, in my professional life, but I try to do it in my personal life as well. Good. Cheryl, what would you add to that? So early in my career, I was given a book by an axiom leader called um, 212 Degrees, The Extra Degree. The the entire book is just scenarios of how just putting in one degree of extra effort can completely transform something. So for example, you know, just one degree turns a liquid into a vapor. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, that book has always stuck with me. It, it made me, it, it always makes me think about, okay, what's that extra degree I could use to get from good to excellence? And from that, the two things that I have consistently found throughout my career are education and planning. So, mm-hmm. you know, in order to have a culture of excellence, you need to be educated on the challenges you're trying to address. You need to proactively um understand um, and plan to ensure that you're thinking through all potential scenarios, the best possible way to accomplish a goal, um, positive and negative impacts, and, you know, how, what's the next step to get to accomplish what you're working on? And you also, you have to make that planning intentional. Um, You know, on our team, we have quarterly larger planning sessions. And then, you know, when we have projects coming up, we may have a more tactical planning session just to make sure we thought through everything. So education and planning, they not only result in excellent processes, but they were they I feel like they promote excellence in working with others, because when you show up prepared and you've you've thought things out, you reduce quality issues. You're you're showing respect to other people's time. You're reducing conflict. And there's just so many other things that I think planning and education promote excellence. And so in our team, we focus on that both at the individual and the group level. And we're just encouraging constant learning and constant planning. I like that one degree. That's a great way to think about it. It's like just there's one degree of difference. If we deliver it as is, okay, that's going to be a good project. But if we just turned it up one little notch, then it's going to be an excellent project. So I think that's a great way to look at it. Just to think like, what's that little bit of extra that we could do to take it to that next level? Good. Uh, Cheryl, I'm going to stick with you on this one, that uh, the description of excellence also states that it's not perfection because it's hard to be perfect, right? Instead of perfection, it's continuously striving to be the best that we can be as individuals and as teams. How do you balance striving for excellence while understanding that perfection isn't always achievable? So that's a good question. Um, You know, (laughs) a lot of what, you know, we work with data and mistakes are going to happen Um, and we're all human. And anytime you have a human touch point, you're going to make a mistake. And I have been blessed to be surrounded by some really high performing team members, but we do make mistakes. And it's not the mistakes that determine if you have excellence or not. It's how you handle them. So my thing is not, did you make a mistake? My thing is, okay, what did we learn from it? How quickly did we fix it? What did we put in place to make sure it doesn't happen in the future? And did we hold ourselves accountable for it? And if you've done all those things, then you've exhibited excellence and you probably had some learning in the process. On the flip side, you know, if you find a mistake and you waste time pointing fingers on, on who, who fixed, who caused the problem instead mm-hmm. of just jumping in and fixing it, if you're giving excuses instead of finding solutions, and, and then if you're repeating the same mistakes, 
then that would when that's would be when I would say that, okay, that's not excellence. Those mistakes aren't really acceptable. Yeah. Yes. Dave, what would you say there? You know, for me, excellence is a journey, not necessarily a destination. Mm -hmm. And and I have found that I have to strive for excellence every, every single day and that I need to be better today than I was yesterday. And I think that if anyone is is striving for protect uh, for perfection, uh, and that that's their goal, um, they're they're going to be faced with a lot of frustrating moments and days. Is is how I would summarize that. Yes, they're going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> yes, they will. Be. Yes, they will. Be. <laughs> yes, yes, perfection not necessarily achievable. I do want to come back to one thing that you said, Cheryl, about like you know perfection not achievable. But if we make a mistake, we need to learn from it and make sure that. And that we're we're not making that same mistake again. And certainly we don't want to be pointing fingers at people about who made the mistake. I think that's a great call out in, in striving for getting better every day is even if you don't make a mistake, just after a major project is finished or after a, a major uh, project is launched, just coming back and doing kind of a postmortem or in your case, Dave, after, you know, a we have a client that we have closed or not closed, right. like how do we come back around and say, let's, let's put some scrutiny on this. What could we have done better to make that even more excellent? How could we improve that? So I think um, that's something that I, I feel personally, I need to strive to do in my own life. So I just wanted to call that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will tell you, um, I, we would all rather win than lose, right? Sure. Of course. I learned, always. <laughs> I learn I learn more when I lose a deal than when I win a deal, you know, yes. and it's taking, it's taking those learnings as long as, you know, that prospect. And if you ask, and as long as they're being completely transparent with you and, and, and honest that, you know, to give you things that you can learn from, so you don't repeat the same, the same mistakes. Yes. Yes. Good. Well, speaking of sales, you are focused on sales. Both of you are really. Um, and so I feel like where, where you sit in the org, you kind of like have a pretty broad view because you, work with a lot of different teams, you bring a lot of different teams in on the sales process or on the sales operations process. So I feel like you might have a unique perspective on some areas where we could all grow to be closer to excellent. What are your thoughts on ways that we can improve from your perspective? And Dave, I'll start with you. Okay. All right. That That is, uh, so that's a big one, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I will uh, I'll kind of give you kind of a general answer here. In in my in my 15 years with Axiom, and people know I love Axiom, just absolutely <laughs> love Axiom. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of changes and, you know, some of the changes have been really, really good and, and necessary. And some of the changes along the way have been, frankly, a little bit hard to swallow. Mm. But, I, and I think that's where, you know, when change does come upon us, that's the time to to be excellent, right? Kind of sit yes. back, reflect why why we need to change, and and then move forward because you know all of our success is inextricably linked, and so yes. you know we we need we need change, and and with every change, it it forces us to kind of push the reset button, if you will, if you had one on mm -hmm. on excellence, but. Um, excellence is an iterative process and it's dynamic. It's not static. And we all need to be responsible. We are, are all responsible to embrace the, the change or changes that, that come upon us in order to be excellent. Yes. And if we get too mired down in 
why did this change? Or I, that's not the change I would have made. Or if I were in charge, I would have done it differently. It's going to take our eye off the ball on things that are in our control that will help us get to excellence, right? If we get too mired down and I don't want to change or whatever it is, then it it's going to keep us from achieving excellence or can keep us from achieving excellence. Cheryl, what would you add to that? Just kind of jumping off Dave, what Dave was talking about, especially with some of the recent changes, there's a lot of us that are asked being asked to do more with less. And, you know, that can be overwhelming. And so I think this isn't anything that I think that I've seen that, um, but just we should all remind ourselves. Um, it's a great time to remind ourselves. Just we should be respectful of each other's time that we mm-hmm. we are all do, are all doing more with less. You know, be prepared. Um, you know, one of my pet peeves is when and and I'm actually guilty of it. You know, I ask multiple people to do the same thing because I'm in a hurry. And so I hit three people and I'll figure out which one's giving me the right answer. Well, that's not being respectful of their time, especially Mm. if they all three jump on it. They all three do it. And then I've wasted two people's time. And so just doing things like being respectful and thinking about the fact that we're all stretched thin, uh, leverage everybody's core competencies. And I think if we do that, we'll still be able to continue to produce excellence in everything we do. Yes. Well, Cheryl, I'm going to stick with you. Um, So we have some great examples of excellence in our career. So we've seen people modeling excellence and hopefully see that out of ourselves on occasion. (laughs) But do you have an example of a time when you feel that you or maybe someone else didn't model this competency very well? Kind of a let us learn from your mistakes situation. Yeah, there's no need to use anybody else as an example. I've got lots of my own I can talk about. Um, you know, there's one that I made a few years back that sticks with me um, <clears throat> because I made some changes uh, that I still do to this day. You know, I was asked by leadership to help address a problem that was critical to the, the group I was supporting. And we didn't necessarily own the problem. So, you know, it was a large time commitment and it was kind of an emotionally charged situation as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it consumed my every moment fixing it. And I was able to fix it, which was great. Or I was able to help. I don't. I, it was a team effort, but I was able to help fix it. But what, what I wasn't thinking about was as I was doing this, how it was impacting my team. I was, you know, canceling meetings because I was working on this other project. I was showing up for meetings with them unprepared. They needed my guidance and would send me stuff beforehand. And I didn't take the time to read it or, you know, educate myself back to that. Um, you know, or I was showing up mentally exhausted. And so I was definitely not leading by example. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately for me, I have some strong relationships within my team. And, you know, I had some people that felt comfortable calling me out on it, which was good. Mm-hmm. And so I have um, what I like to call now kind of an accountability partner on my team who I regularly check in with. And especially if I'm in a high stress situation, I check in and say, hey, am I leading you guys the way I should be? Um, I also have a coworker who I deeply, deeply respect. And, you know, if I'm in a situation where I'm responding to something that might, you know, trigger emotions or something, I'll have my uh, communications previewed to make sure that Mm. my intent is being is coming through and not in a way that's going to continue to cause issues, but to help resolve. Um, So I just want to make sure that. I'm communicating in a productive way. And sometimes when you're in the middle of a situation, you don't see if you're not. And so I highly recommend whether you're in a leadership role or not, get a good accountability partner who is not afraid to tell you, hey, you're not doing what you normally do and you need to get back on track. Hmm. You're not modeling excellence in this area. And yes, here's, here's some specific feedback on how you can get back on track. That's good. Yes. 
Well, Dave, what about you? Do you have any yeah. examples? Yeah, I, I do. And, and it's all uh, it's all kind of centered on that topic of embracing change. Hmm. And, uh, you know, there have been big changes here at Axiom that have caused me to question what's going on. Why are we doing this? Um, and I think those are the situations where and then you then you start talking. Right. And you start talking to people and and chirping if that's if I can use that that term. But a- any of those situations really have required me personally to kind of hit that reset button and mm-hmm. and, you know, focus on how I manage my own thoughts and feelings through through those through those changes. Yeah, because like we talked about earlier, if you if you are so spun up and talking to people about like, I don't agree with this change or why are you making this change? Mm-hmm. Then it, it takes your focus off of the mm-hmm. things that you can be working on to achieve excellence in your team. That's, That's good. Right. That's right. All right, Dave, how do you continue to strengthen this competency? How do you continue to grow in the area of lead by example and in the area of excellence? What do you do? Sure. Um, so, Again, because we are focused on 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 sales, and I've got a team of twelve people that uh, all of them are hunters, right? Whether mm-hmm. some are focused on new logos, others are focused maybe on existing clients. They're all hunting for new business, and so you know because they are focused on driving new business, it really goes back to modeling the the right behavior. So what I try to do is 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 ask ask the right questions, do the right things, focus on the right activities that will drive an excellent outcome. Mm. Um, we had we had Kickstart last week, and um, there were a couple of times, a couple of situations where somebody would bring up an, an issue or a point, and I went into my kind of my role play mode by asking the questions, and they they quickly got kind of where I was going, but uh, yeah, it, for me, it, it just really all goes back to you know, modeling the behavior that that I expect doing it in the axiom way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so that we're all we're all successful. Selling selling is really, really hard. And, yeah. and a lot of people, I think a lot of people realize that, but I think a lot of people don't realize just just how hard it is. Our sales cycles are are long and tedious and and filled with many you know twists turns and emotions and so you know the other thing i try to do is i try to keep things you know upbeat and fun and and positive you know and that's something that you know i love to do and i and i try to do it yes and i think folks who know you would agree you do keep things fun and upbeat <laughs> and positive so that's good <laughs> you absolutely do <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> well cheryl you mentioned one thing that you do you have an accountability person who who helps kind of keep you on track keep you on the right course anything else that you do to continue to improve in these areas yeah so i learn by example um mm. So, you know, I am constantly watching others and, and not in a creepy way, but <laughs> I'm you constantly know, staring at people. <laughs> yes. And not only leaders, but even those on my team. I mean, you can learn something from everyone. And, you know, I'm surrounded by fantastic leaders and I feel like I have a rock star team. And so, you know, I pick up on best practices and how they handle situations, how they communicate with each other, how they manage a product project. Uh the reactions they have when I say things. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say something and I see the reaction. I'm like, okay, you know what? That made them very happy. I should I should do that again. Or you know what? That wasn't received very well. I should change the way I communicate that next time. So I think there's so much to learn personally just from watching those around you and learning by example. 
Yes. Especially if you see somebody that you're like, they do that really well. I'm going to pay close attention to how they present this present data or how they talk about a certain project. I'm going to pay close attention. I think that's a great, great suggestion. Just if you see somebody who's doing something well, kind of keep a closer eye on them, see how they do that, see how they're modeling excellence. Good. Well, thank you both for your thoughts on excellence. Now, are you ready? to turn the attention to, to let us learn a little bit about you. Yeah. It's time for the lightning <laughs> round. <laughs> All right, Dave, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What was your first paying job and what did you learn from it that you apply to your career? Okay. So, so when you say first paying job, it doesn't mean post-college. It means your first paying job. Yeah, Is that right? Whatever. Yeah. First okay. job. Okay. Okay. Everyone will be surprised, but my first paying job, I was an extra man on a dairy farm. I grew up in upstate New York. I grew up in upstate New York where there were more cows than people. (laughs) Um, My main role was was milking cows. And then during haying season, bringing in the hay at the end of the season, which is what they ate, right? And so... You know, I kind of had to think long and hard about how do I apply that to my current yeah. job. You don't do a lot of gathering of hay. Well, know. no, but I do like bringing in the hay. There See you what go. I did there? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the correlation. How about? Did that? you work with corn? Because that was corny. <laughs> <laughs> I had a long conversation with Don Grauman before this. <laughs> <laughs> you learn by his dad joke examples. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I that think that's the job. That's great. I think that's the first time we've heard about being an extra on a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cheryl, exactly. What about you? Okay. I was a deli girl at Harvest Foods grocery store. I don't even know if Harvest Foods is still in business. So I learned a couple of things from that. Um, one, the customer is always right, even when they aren't right. That's right. And I learned that there are many positive ways to say no without actually saying the word no so that you don't upset the customer who is always right. Yes, there are many ways to say no, but no is not one of them. I think. Yes. yes. (laughs) Good. Well, Cheryl, if you had a time machine and you could go back to when you were first starting out in your career, what advice would you give yourself? So when I started my career, I think like most people there, you know, I came right out of college. I wanted to make my mark. So I was trying to be superwoman. I wanted to be everything to everyone. And what I learned, probably not as quickly as I needed to, is that you don't have to be excellent at everything. Hmm. Um, You know, figure out what you're excellent at and work on that and then surround yourself with people that are excellent at the things that you aren't. Um, So, you know, one of the things I'm a big, a super big fan on right now is defining swim lanes based on what everyone's excellence on. And then sticking within those lanes, because when you do that, you can't help but to have a great outcome because you're just leveraging everybody's excellence, I guess. I used that word a lot in that response, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) That's good, though. I think that's a good reminder, like starting out in your career right now, that you don't actually have to be the best at every single thing, that we are a team. And so just knowing what are the things that I need to be great at and what are the things that I could rely on somebody else to be great at? I think that's important. So good. Dave, what about you? Sure, sure. So I have to provide some context for this answer. My um, my family had like a I would have been the fourth generation running a a lumber business in the town that I grew up in. 
Okay. Mm. And right before, right before I graduated from high school, my father sold the business. So all along, I thought I was going to be the heir apparent and and take over. Yeah. The That's what his father did, you know, grandfather, great grandfather. And so, you know, I, that kind of throws you for a loop when when you're you know pretty young and that you you just kind of thought or assumed that that was what you're going to do. So so the advice I would give myself or what I what would I tell myself is don't worry, Dave, everything's going to be OK. Mm. That's what I would tell myself. One day you'll be here at Axiom. That's right. Yeah. It's right. It won't go exactly how you thought it would, but you'll be just fine. That's what. <laughs> Good. Um, well, speaking of advice, Dave, what's the best leadership advice that you've been given and who gave you that advice? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. I, I love this one. So um, the best advice was don't take yourself too seriously and, mm-hmm. and make sure you have fun along the way and, and celebrate little things. And um <clears throat> That advice was given to be my to me by my very first sales manager, um, who is now 86 years old. And I actually still call him and 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 ask him for guidance and advice and things like that. So, oh, I love that. That's awesome. He's oh, he's yes. well, and you could clearly took that advice to heart. So that's good. Uh, Cheryl, what about you? So I don't know who came up with this, but in our house, a phrase that we use a lot. Um, is just work hard and do the right thing. Um, Mm. We say it so often that my daughter actually even had the phrase printed and framed for my husband a few years ago. He has it on his desk. But if you always put forth your best effort and just do the right thing, do right by your team, your coworkers, anyone that's around you, even when no one's watching, you're going to be successful in whatever you do. Yes, that's good. That's right. Um, Okay, Cheryl, what is, you've already mentioned a leadership book uh, earlier, but what's a good leadership book that you've read recently or podcast that you would like to recommend? Okay, so I'm going to tell on myself. Okay. Unless I'm told to read a leadership book or I have very, something very specific I want to learn, I don't (laughs) read them. (laughs) I mean, I read, I try to read my Bible daily, but other than that, I want my reading to be mindless because it just, it's like an escape for me. Um, I do listen to podcasts, though, and okay. my friend Brandy Day introduced me to Ed Milet's podcast. I don't know if you've listened to that, but he hits on a variety of topics um, that all kind of relate to leadership or excellence or integrity, um, you know, things like mental and physical well-being, all hmm. of that. And so I do listen to those podcasts, but I'm probably one of the few that don't necessarily enjoy reading an actual leadership book. It's okay. It's okay. And if you are like here, me, <laughs> if you are like me and you want a book, the 212 degrees is kind of like a picture book. Oh, okay. <laughs> it has a picture of water and a picture of vapor. <laughs> you turn the page, it has a picture of ice and a picture of water. <laughs> you turn the page. <laughs> Good. Well, Dave, what about you? Yeah. You yeah. Well, it's I, oh, I like podcasts. Yes. And, and, uh, but the, the book that I'm actually, it's, it's a reread for me. Mm-hmm. I find myself, if I, if I find a good book, uh, I'll refer to it a lot or I will reread it versus trying to find new books. You know, the mm-hmm. book that I'm kind of rereading right now is, is called what the CEO wants you to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really good. In fact, it, 
it may have been like suggested reading here since I've been at Axiom. Maybe that's maybe how I how I stumbled upon yeah. it. But uh, it's, it's a pretty um, good one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're both shaking your head. So this is this is an yeah. It's I'm nodding my head like I know what you're talking about, but no, I have not read that. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I think I like it was part it of our short. business acumen class. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Dave, what surprises most people about you or would surprise them if they knew it? Uh, Mm, pro- probably, probably the answer about my first my first job, and I grew up in yeah. a real rural community, and 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 things like that. So yeah. I remember yes. taking my wife out out to upstate New York, and she kind of looked around and she goes, "Didn't picture this." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cheryl. So I am pretty crafty and I love to make things like I'm the mom. If the girls had Greek day at school, I would go find a costume online and then I'd get my sewing machine out and make it like one of my proudest moments was my daughter and her three friends wanted to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I took roasting pans and spray paint and fabric and I turned them into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they were the most fun costumes ever. (laughs) Yes. I would not have guessed that. So yes, that does surprise me about you. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, okay, Cheryl, are you a movie, TV, or book person? Not a workbook, but a book. You might read other books. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your current favorite guilty pleasure? So I do all three, and I rotate between them. I'll get in a like right now. I'm in a reading kick, and I kind of speed read. So I'll read a couple of books a week. Um, like again, because they're not business books, they're mindless beach reads. Um, they're pretty easy to read. Um, I also like to read, watch, you know, series on like Netflix prime. Like I just finished Daisy Jones and the six. I really liked it. I like the music. Um, so I do all three. Okay. Dave. Um, I probably lean more towards, uh, TV and and Netflix, but I, I watch a lot of new movies on Netflix. Um, I, I, I'm, I, if you really want me to be totally transparent, I love The Bachelor or The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first one we've heard on this podcast okay. who loves All The right. Bachelor. Good, 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 good. I'm a hopeless romantic, you know, and that just, you know, I, I love the drama, you know. <laughs> um, have you guys watched, ever watched Naked and Afraid on, on the Discovery Channel on yeah. Sunday nights? Yeah. I get a kick out of that. I would never, ever, ever go anywhere that has the mosquitoes and the insects and all that stuff. But uh, and then I'm, I do like Netflix, too. And right now I'm watching you. Have you ever got have you guys watched mm-hmm. you on Netflix? That is on my list. Yeah, watch it. It's kind of creepy, but it's 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 good. It's good. Kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. I won't I won't say anything else, but that's yeah. Good. Okay. I think that's the opposite of how I watch people to learn. <laughs> what I've heard right. about that show. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Dave, you've had a stressful day and okay. you're going to relax by either getting in your car or taking a walk and you're going to be blasting some tunes, maybe listening to a podcast. What are you listening to? Yeah. So, um I I've been doing the the um music on on my YouTube music channel mm-hmm. kind of thing and it's created kind of a playlist of just real lots of different songs, but mostly upbeat dance type songs, mm-hmm. music, you know, Bruno Mars and all that and all that stuff. Right. Because I'm usually listening to it when I'm when I'm working out. And uh, so that's what that, that's what's going on. So like it's it. a bunch of different things, but it's all just kind of fun stuff. And it okay. ranges from 
something that came out, you know, last year or 30 years ago. So, you know, 30 years ago when I was in like kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cheryl, what about you? So if I've had a really stressful day, I actually kind of like quiet. Um, Mm -hmm. I will pour a glass of wine, go sit on my patio. I have a neighbor who has a beautiful pool with a uh, waterfall. And so I just listen to that and the birds Mm -hmm. and that kind of calms me down. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I am listening to music, it depends on the day. Some days I'm listening to um, contemporary piano. Some days I'm listening to country music and some days I'm listening to rap. (laughs) Just, just depends. depends. Just depends wow. on the day. Okay. Yes. Would have never guessed rap, Cheryl. That's that's no. well, it's specific rap. And it's funny because I think Brandy Day mentioned this in her podcast because we share this love, but it's 90s rap. Oh, oh yeah. okay. All right. The yes. Good, the good stuff. All right. <laughs> yes. All right. Gotcha. 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 <laughs> oh. Well, Cheryl, you have a week to do anything you want to do. What do you do? Travel. We love to travel. Um, We usually alternate our vacations between a relaxing kind of do nothing beach trip. And then for the next trip, we'll go somewhere like Disney or London or Paris where we walk 20,000 steps a day. So we kind of, you know, try to alternate that. But I we love to travel. We've been traveling for as long as I can remember. Okay, good. Dave, what about you? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. I would I love professionally. I love to travel to go see clients and be yeah. with reps and stuff like that. I love that. I just absolutely love that. Personally, it's it's hanging out with Vic and and uh, going to some you know resort destination or you know Arizona or be at a pool and and uh, you know with somebody checking in on me periodic periodically to make sure I'm okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> bring you a beverage usually yes. with a cocktail in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, okay, Dave, besides family, because yep. we know that would be an easy answer. Besides yep. family, yep. I can't live without blank. Music, my drums, Sammy, who's my dog, and uh, my team, Axiom, oh, my family. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Cheryl, what about you? Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and my phone. Uh, I do everything on my phone. I mean, I read on it. I I play Heyday. That's a stress reliever for me. If you've never played it, it's a little farming game. It might be up your alley, Dave. You milk cows. There you go. <laughs> you build you go. things. But you know, I manage everything. I do my grocery order pickups from there. I manage my to do list from there. So it's just it's like my it it organizes my life. So it would probably be my phone and my diet, Dr Pepper. Okay, good. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts about excellence and letting us get to know you a little bit. This was a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. So thank you so much. Well, that was a lot of fun. And we did have a lot of laughs, but we also learned a few things along the way. I thought what Dave shared around maintaining excellence in the midst of change was really insightful. That when change comes upon us, that's when we can think about how we can be excellent. Every change forces us to kind of push the reset button on excellence. I really liked that concept of pushing the reset button and continuing to improve. And Cheryl gave us some great advice around the fact that modeling excellence doesn't always have to be a big, grand gesture. You can go above and beyond in everything that you do, even the small things. She gave the example of anticipating the next question that someone's going to ask and proactively answering it. 
She described it as just one degree of extra effort. What's the extra thing I could do to move from good to excellent? I liked how Dave described this concept as surprising and delighting your clients, doing the small things that separate you from everyone else. Dave also shared that he sometimes learns more when things don't go as he would have hoped. When you don't get the outcome you're looking for, really review what happened to make sure that excellence is achieved the next time. And I thought that Cheryl had some great advice for her younger self that we can all learn from. You don't have to be excellent at everything. We're a team here. So you can focus on being excellent in the areas of your expertise and rely on the excellence of others in those areas that you aren't the strongest. I really enjoyed talking to both of them. It's clear that Dave is really applying the leadership advice he received to not take himself too seriously and to have some fun along the way. Hopefully you had some fun along the way with this, and hopefully you learned a few things to help you model excellence in everything that you do. Thanks so much to Cheryl and Dave for joining us, and thanks to our producer, Levi Gilbert. And of course, thanks to all of you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Because remember, today is a great day to be a great leader. 